The year is 1993. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And I'm Charlotte. And this is my marvelous year. Variant cover. My Marvelous Year Variant Cover Edition for 1993. Today we're going to talk about some topical (laughs) topics, as we are wont to do. We're going to answer some listener questions. This is the brief pause, the brief space in between the My Marvelous Year Reading Club journey as we go through Marvel Comics from its origins to today. We're on the year 1993. We've made it from 61 to 93. If you'd like to follow along with the comics that we're reading in the club, you can do so. All upcoming comics are linked in the show notes, and you can also get access to the full, full list as it's updated live. Patreon.com slash MyMarvelousYear for as little as $1 a month and support the show, which is greatly, greatly appreciated. But today, today, we're not going to be talking Maximum Carnage. We're not going to be talking upcoming X-Men Fatal Attractions. We're going to be taking a little pause here to talk about what's going on in the world of comics, what's going on in the world of Marvel, and of course to answer some of our great listener questions. Um, I don't know if I'm describing the listeners as great or the the questions as great, but it may be both. Maybe both. You can have it all. Dave, I've never said this before. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm hearing voices. (laughs) Hearing voices before anyone's been introduced. Hang on. Just let me check my... Let me check the chat window here. I thought I was doing this with only... One guest today, uh, we of course have revered guest. It's someone who I I value a lot. Someone who uh, whose opinions I'm I'm really into. Uh, I think has just a great voice in comics and is an excellent excellent comic book herald published writer. It's Charlotte Fierro. How's it going, Charlotte? Hi. That's that was a great introduction. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. And then yeah. I, I was also hearing <laughs> I was also hearing some chatter from someone that didn't. <laughs> it didn't sound like a fighting Frenchman. It sounded like someone else. Um, Zach, is it Zach? Is that you? Bonjour, Zudolo. <laughs> oh God. Uh, I was gonna say, Dave. Yeah. About uh, if our, our li- the questions were great or our, our listeners were great. I, I just I don't say this enough, but we have the, we have the greatest fans in the world. You know. We just we got the greatest fans and listeners in the world, and I just they don't hear it enough from me. Zach, do you, do you guys I can't help agree? but but hear that tone dripping with sarcasm, and I feel <laughs> like I'm not actually sure that you mean it to be. <laughs> no, we got the greatest listeners in the world. I would just say I I actually I, I, this is like a very specific weird thing I'm making fun of, which is podcasters like trying to butter up their crowd by being like, listen, other podcast listeners, they're good. Yeah, you got you're incredible. Some like somehow you rise above, and you are the best listener. You know, I I will actually say we do have very good listeners for having a comic book podcast with like a decent listener base where we talk like progressive issues constantly, and specifically me like slay sacred cows very bravely, very fearlessly. Um, <laughs> very very very. I get remarkably <laughs> little like harassment for that. Uh, like it should it should and, be and more. It should, it, be should be more, it should be more genuine. <laughs> it's contained uh, to Dave's uh, Apple podcast comments. <laughs> no, yeah, right. Like, even stuff like that is, like, very, like, mild yeah. compared to, you know, we don't get a lot of, like, 
Ugh, just a bunch of SJWs. I wish that you know, whatever. Like, I think that I think you, that just means we're not big enough. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, that, that, that would also come with successful. size, but like, we we have listeners, you know. So like, we I, do I have know. listeners, we, and we no, you're right. Listeners. And you know what though, you're, there is. I mean, I I do take a a certain amount of pride in the MMY club because here's the thing: if you're listening to my world this year, first off, we have the best comic slack community listeners in the world. Oh, best okay. comics slack community in the world you can join that community by going over to patreon.com slash my this year if you are so inclined um but at the same time our listeners like there's an actual ask of them that they read along and do some homework you know which not everyone has to do i, I know a lot of people mm-hmm. listen and just listen to us talk about the comics which is great i love that i love that people want to do that but there's a lot of folks who are like yeah i'm gonna read along and i'm gonna add issues for myself you know what i mean so like there's a there's a barrier to entry here that mm-hmm. um, yeah. that other podcasts do not require, and that is why both we and our listeners are are supreme. I think in the podcast mm. landscape. But I don't even get like Twitter comment like harassing me about stuff. I mean, you know, occasionally people are like, "I do wish Zach liked comics more," <laughs> but like that, that's about as like which harsh is a as fair point. <laughs> no, it's not. That's nothing. <laughs> it's a super <laughs> fair point. <laughs> it is the fairest point. No, absolutely. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, you know, there is it, Zach. It's funny. I as I do you know, these these weekly live streams and stuff for X-Men stuff, right? I do all the CBH YouTube work, which mm. you can go to YouTube and find the Comic Carol channel if you're so inclined. Um, I'm getting, in a lot of ways, I think running into a lot of the same types of, of people and attitudes that you've experienced with the MMY pod. It's kind of funny because, like, mm-hmm. for the longest yeah. time, with the X-Men comics landscape as it stands, I was, I was super hype, right? I was super hype, and that hype has dwindled tremendously. So now I am more critical, and it's it's fascinating to watch so many people don't know the difference between criticism and hate you know mm-hmm. yeah um and i think that's it's you know some of the feedback like like much of the most of the feedback 99 percent is accurate when it comes to you um but there there are some people who are like oh he doesn't like comics blah 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 and it's like like you're you're generally positive and willing to give these things a shot um you're just more critical of some of the stuff that gets held up as a sacred cow specifically which in within the comics community um I, comics you know, that i hate are like like there's like three of them that we've read it's like cloak and dagger uh dazzler the movie and <laughs> whoa 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 that's casually throw dazzler in there <laughs> i mean like there's some there's some stuff to note about Dazzler, some positive aspects, but like you know, it, it's pretty disgusting. Like, I kind of hang on. The, I just uh, need to. I just need to add gaslighting oh to the God. content warning here. <laughs> no, you're gaslighting me about this. You have been all <laughs> the. No, I mean it's it's incredibly sexist. That that part is you know unpalatable. Yeah. Um. It just like it's got some cool styles. It's got some cool styles. In it. Um. And then uh, I don't even. I don't know. I can't even think of a third. Uh, one the Carol Danvers stuff in uh, Avengers 200, I think. Yeah, is, I uh, guess I don't know. That, that that's doesn't a fair even one. like yeah, that one, ruffle that my one. feathers the same way. But yeah, yeah sure. Like yeah. yeah All right. Yeah, so yeah. neither here nor there. Not the not the main focus of the conversation. But it is. It's no, definitely let's talk about. Well, it's definitely something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Just like <laughs> people, like the ability to parse out criticism and not take that as a personal affront. And I and I think you know one big thing that I think we're generally good at which is why i like doing the podcast and talking about comics in, in any area i do on cbh is like leveling criticism without making it this personal hateful campaign you know because it's like especially in the youtube climate there's so many individuals who make their presence who build their base around hey i'm gonna attack this writer personal hey i'm gonna take yeah. on this social issue and make it you know a, a big you know ranting raging thing and I hate that about 
comics community. Like that is that's a piece where I'm like, there should be more barriers to entry <laughs> to this democratization <laughs> yeah. of anyone yeah. can talk about this stuff is a bad thing. Um, even though it has benefited me personally tremendously. So anyway, what we want to talk about first and foremost is, you know, yes, thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for being here through these uh, personal conversations we have before we actually get to the meat of the subject. All of that is appreciated quite a bit. Uh, what if? Let's talk Marvel's What If. It's done. It's over. Listen, Nine I hate What If. Released. I hate hey, people who made What If. <laughs> and I hate anyone. If you like What If, you're just a drooling diaper baby. Yeah, so all right. That's, that's my. You know, you sense. do say that a lot for some for for us talking about not leveling personal criticisms. Charlotte, let's start with you. <laughs> what was your reaction to the conclusion of Marvel's One? Mostly underwhelmed, I yeah. think. Um, uh, I wasn't. Yeah, it felt pretty disappointing compared to what I would have hoped it would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, the the moments where where I enjoyed it the most was when I just disconnected my brain and tried having mindless fun for 15 minutes. Um, yeah, I think the... Which for is tough finally, in a 35-minute episode. Because <laughs> 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 you were not even making it happen. <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah, I th- like the moments I remember the most, uh, like having fun with, uh, from the last episode especially, was some of the um, visual stuff uh, with the fights between the... Uh, I mean, we can spoil the, sh- the show, yeah, I'm so guessing. Spoilers, spoilers to come here, uh, talking yeah. levels what if. if Although you I will say, seen, if you... Ha- if yeah, if you yeah, haven't seen ahead. it, like spoilers, quote unquote, like none of this is spoilers for the MCU. Yeah. It's all just you know, I what, really it's what if specific, it. absolutely. Um, yeah. But if you, yeah. if you yeah. haven't and, seen and it, and you want to skip ahead twisty. like five minutes, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, so yeah, I, I really, I really remember and liked uh, some of the visual moments with the Watcher and um, I was gonna say Galactus uh, Ultron, but like some of mm-hmm. the stuff that makes him in a way kind of like a, a Galactus. Um, type entity yeah. just pretty fun to to see visually some very kirby inspired stuff but like the, the actual story was very boring to me sure okay zach where do you stand you did yeah you were, I, I mean, you were I, probably the most down on this of any yeah. of us when we started yeah, so. purely because of the the design and kind of the lack of um visual creativity uh yeah, where did that, you that net didn't... out with the story that, that, that didn't doesn't get me change. better. That's the same, right? Yeah, yeah. That's still. It's very dull. I think. It, like, I think it looks really boring. And I have since watched Star Wars Visions on Disney Plus. Yeah, <laughs> which has uh, which did exactly what you wanted. It's amazing. Exactly, and it looks great. And like, yeah. it's yeah. very interesting. Like, even if not everyone is a winner, like it's just like they're trying new things in every episode. People should check that show out. Like, I feel like that show's not getting talked about because it's not. Um, we we need you know, to like start big... marketing Disney and Star Wars. If no one is doing this work, no one is marketing Disney <laughs> I'm not and a Star, Star Wars. Wars. <laughs> I'm not a Star Wars guy really at all. Like I, I haven't caught up on the Mandalorian. Uh, I don't watch the the animated shows, but I watch some of these. And like, well, I just finished good. Star Wars Rebels. I just yeah. finished Star Wars Rebels. I heard it. It's good. Right? So good. It's so yeah, yeah. good, Charlotte. Well, you, you should check it? out are Visions. You, are you Vision, an animated watcher? I'm still rules? catching up on uh, Clone Wars. I think I've seen like maybe the first two or three episodes of Rebels uh, a few years ago. Yeah. But uh, I barely remember them. I, I do really like Clone Wars. I need to keep uh, watching it. But yeah, I'm hearing great things on it. I just started right, the so, final season of, of Clone Wars. Uh, All right, back to What If. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so visually, I think about the most boring choice you could take, and then it's my, I mean, my it's middle child. Every time yeah. we we show him a show that isn't one of his regular shows, now he goes, "No, too boring," and it always makes me think every time you say that. <laughs> that's, <laughs> really, that's really good. no, too boring. <laughs> um, yeah, the the so the actual writing, the script writing, I think is really weak. 
Uh, like the one-liners yeah. kind of stink. It's yeah, like it just doesn't have the the pop that the MCU can generally have. Like I don't know, the, the jokes are just not funny, and it, it's being delivered by people who I know can deliver these lines. It's just that you know a little they, a little yeah. watered down MCU flavor. I think, yeah, probably. and then and then the actual what if stories are almost all pretty dull and pretty like lifeless to me and uninteresting. So like I didn't even so I I didn't finish the show. I still didn't watch the last two episodes. Which is oh, crazy well, those, because those like, were the literally the two I asked you to watch. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I had gotten that far, and you were like, "Well, you could watch two of them," and it's like didn't make time for it. But like, even a, when Falcon and Winter Soldier was kind of a drag, I was still watching it week to week, and that's like forty five minutes. This was like yeah. twenty minutes, and I was like, I just don't, I don't care. Like, I'm not interested in this. It's just it's, it's unquestionably the least so disposable, right? Yeah. Which is yeah. not shocking, um, but it is. It's not because it's a not canon that I don't care right it's not well, it is like, oh, I, mean, I, I mean that that's true but it's not that's not the reason that i'm like disinterested it's oh, just oh like, i see i see i think it's just kind of i don't know it's kind of boring yeah it, I, it's flat yeah. i i think generally yeah. like i definitely i stopped watching week to week i just wasn't invested in it on that level um i did think the last couple episodes uh so th- they do the thing that i think was probably pretty predictable from jump that they would eventually try to do which is basically tie it all together right so like okay these stories are not just individual what ifs they're all going to build to something you know and and eventually be kind of a watcher intervening story and conceptually the last couple episodes i like a lot of what they did i think zach to your points i mean in terms of the execution in terms of what's on screen i think it is it's not fantastic i mean it's it's middling a lot of times i think the watered down mcu flavor is is very apparent you know throughout this um but conceptually, the last couple, like if you presented, and Zach, I'm going to spoil this for you. That's I don't think you care. Um, yeah, no. I'll, I'll decide. <laughs> I won't ask. I'll just decide <laughs> uh, very rudely. Um, it, no, the last couple episodes, it's, if you put this in a comic and you were like, hey, what if Ultron, Age of Ultron, gathered the Infinity Stones, started taking over the multiverse, right, with his submit or perish vibe? I'm into that. And then you say, okay, and what if Uatu had to put together a multiversal Guardians of the Galaxy? What do they call them? Guardians of the Multiverse. Yeah. Um, that sounds really fun. That has a lot of potential. Uh, I like some of the individual pieces of this Guardians team. You know, I like Captain Carter. <laughs> Weirdly, not Captain Britain. I like uh, T'Challa, uh, Star Lord, right? I like uh, Killmonger just in general, although I don't know that his character got necessarily the most to do here. But um, it, it somehow just kind of was all – it was all just flat for me. I didn't love it. Um, I liked the idea of it more than I liked the the actual experience of watching it, I suppose. Yeah. It's all um, execution. It's just, it's just kind yeah. of a mediocre yeah. execution, right? Like yeah. even if some of the ideas are neat, it's just kind of like – the writing is so-so. so writing so that's that's of course correctable. The... Like if there's a season two, sure. What sure. what would we be? What would you want to see? Like okay, based on the way this first season went, if there's a season two, what should season two of What If look like, Charlotte? I mean, it's the boring answer, but like it should be more like Star Wars Visions, I think. Like more yeah. more varied between episodes, because people often say that the MCU has a very samey look, like. 
every movie looks the same. And I think it's true to some measure. I don't always agree with it. But uh, for What If specifically, Mm -hmm. every episode was a completely different place, completely different characters. It all felt the same and it all felt very boring. And I think that's that's one thing you need to change. Like every episode should feel more special, I guess. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And also, like the yeah. the dialogue writing was very bad. Like the, I yeah, think the zombie episodes, especially uh, some of the the quips that feel like th- that's not a moment where you put a quip when Bucky just killed his best friend or stuff like that. That's everything feels um, senseless in a way because yeah. of it. Yeah, I did. I I, I was I, I saw, generally I was... invested in the Doctor Strange to zombies back to back. You know, because that actually felt like them doing... It felt like them jumping out of the comfort zone of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in a way that yeah. I appreciated. You know, those stories... Execution aside, <clears throat> I do agree with you. But those stories felt like, okay, they're actually telling different stories here. Yeah. Um, they're changing the game a little bit, right? The Zombies one, again, like, I don't think it's perfect, but doing a Marvel Zombies thing had a totally different flavor. It wasn't just, you know, Age of Ultron Redux. It wasn't just... Thor, the first, you know, the first Thor movie Redux yeah. type thing. Um, more of that, I think, absolutely. I think the Dark Doctor Strange episode is probably the most memorable of the bunch. I think that's to the me. most successful. Yeah, yeah. Um, that one I think is like like try to capture that spirit of an actual inventive what if for individual characters as opposed to i think charlotte you put it in the the first time we talked basically like you know moving a cup to the left right just moving moving one thing out of position um all right go ahead zach what, what do you think they should carry forward into into season two um i mean you know even if the animation stays flat it, it, i mean and this is a non-actionable feat i mean it's actionable but this is not specific enough it's just you know like i wish it was more interesting <laughs> right like i wish they were good, taking good note exact good exactly yeah. right note. Yeah. <laughs> exactly so th- there's not much to it but yes i would i would prefer like i've been saying all along for uh for a more varied animation style like visions is having but i don't i don't think they're going to do that at this point cuz they're like no. setting up their own animation studio and they're not going to just be like and now season 2 we're completely also- switching Format. Also, apparently, some of season two is going to be stuff that was planned for season one, but mm-hmm, had to yeah. be pushed back because of COVID. Like the like specifically Gamora the episode, Gamora yeah. and uh, yeah. Tony Stark in Sakaar episodes that uh-huh. we see uh, briefly in the last episode. We see referenced, uh, and we've never. Yeah, I, I did a double take on that one. I was like, did I miss an episode? Um, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's season that's two apparently. Out. See, but that so I I do wonder. Um, so, you know, one of my hopes after the first episode was like, okay, we're coming off of Loki. We're coming off of the final episode there. We know Kang in the multiverse is going to be this huge thing for the next phases of Marvel. What if, weirdly, it taps the multiverse, but it doesn't tap Kang, you know? And it seems like that would be such an easy thing to do because we have a council of cross-time Kangs. <laughs> like, like you can have a Kang and throw him away. You know what I mean? Like, you can have any version of a Kang here, I feel like it needs a little more stability, a little more connective tissue. If Because here's the thing is they're, they're not just doing one-offs, right? If you're like, oh, I wish they would just do individual stories and not have it be this big MCU tie-in thing, they're not doing that. That that ship has sailed, right? They're already the first nine episodes all come together and, and anthologize themselves. Um, so I think bring Kang in, make, bring the connective tissue into where we're going. Uh, I think that would help a lot, frankly, in terms of giving this some meaning. Um, giving it some grand big picture tapestry importance because again on an individual episode basis aside from the you know make it interesting note like there's not like the the general tissue is going to feel very disposable 
unless it's doing something like that, where it's like, oh, and now we're learning about Kang's plan in the multiverse uh, now that we have our feet set in what a multiverse is, which, like, I got it. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, I, I understand now. So I don't know. I guess I'm not I'm not eager for more of this. Um, I don't really... I, I like uh, Jeffrey Wright as The Watcher a lot. I think he sells... Uh, I think he does a good voice acting. I think he sells some yeah. comedy with The Watcher that you don't necessarily expect, um, which is pretty entertaining. But I, I don't really... I'm not super invested in a Watcher story i guess you know that's that's mm-hmm. a tough sell um yeah like like watchers just watchers a, a flag that gets raised when something's important you know what i mean watchers an alert notification to say hey check in things are getting cool and i don't know that there's a heck of a lot you can do with story beyond that um you know with like like if the watchers like constantly going to be assembling guardians of the multiverse and just putting together teams to stop threats you know i'm not actually sure that's a like i said like conceptually i'm i'm interested but i'm not sure that's a series i super want to follow yes yeah yeah i I don't see unless i hear something like wow season two is actually just totally right at the ship and it's killing it yeah i don't think i'm gonna gonna return to this i do just speaking of the watcher just want to point out i do like all those shots of him like once in a while they'd have these interstitial shots it would just be him like lingering in the background watching over somebody like uh-huh. some of the only visually yeah. cool moments in the show for me. I mean, yeah, and, and I I don't always love the animation when where it comes to actual human characters, but I think like big um, big picture, the more cosmic stuff uh, visually looks pretty good usually. Like yeah. I, I remember a shot of um, the Watcher's shadow in the desert that looked really good, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or there's like some, there's some munching on a on a galaxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are fun. Okay, so I think. Uh, Final ratings, um, I'm going to give it uh, like 3.2 Peeping Toms out of 6, I think. Zach, what are you giving it? I give it one bald-headed baby out of 5, because that's what you have to be if you either made or watch this show. Yeah, Charlotte? <laughs> I'm giving it a 2 of Peep the Trolls uh, toes out of 10. <laughs> okay. Speaking of bald-headed babies... Manscaped. Support for My Marvel This Year is brought to you by <laughs> Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Join over 2 million people worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code MY, M-Y, at manscaped.com. They are the exclusive supporter of My Marvelous Year this month. Uh, seriously, you can help us out. You can get yourself some great grooming tools below the waist, above the waist. Uh, not at the same time, not recommended, but you can find yourself some cool stuff. Get 20% off. Go to manscaped.com. Use discount code M-Y. My, Zach, we've been talking about this for weeks now. We've mm-hmm. been digging the products. Any updates in your Manscaped Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I noticed the other day, I'm faster now, Dave. You're getting you faster with them, yeah? No, no, no. I'm literally, I literally... Oh, you're literally faster? faster. <laughs> there's, there's less uh, less resistance, both, yeah, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, like wind resistance, less, right. less drag overall. Right. Yeah. That's and you so, got to you got to imagine the speedsters of comic book universes, Quicksilver, North Star, um, are, mm-hmm. are heavily invested in in manscaped products and i think they would want something of this caliber like again like i just can't get over like these are really i don't think they need manscaped because i think the the kinetic energy uh the uh 
what's the word? The friction from their running just kind of naturally manscapes. Their loins are just always on fire. Well, here's the thing, just though. If you're, if always you're, smelling like burning hair. If you're always running. just burning hair off your body, uh, you're definitely going to need this Manscaped deodorant and toner because you're going to stink. Mm-hmm. Like You're absolutely <laughs> going to stink if you're just burning hair off your body constantly. Uh, so, okay, cool. Um, if you don't burn the hair off your body with your own speed and you want to be faster, check out Manscaped. Go on over to manscaped.com. Use discount code MY at checkout for 20% off. Again, it helps. Uh, it helps show that my model this year uh, has an audience, <laughs> and uh, and also you get yourself something nice. So thanks for listening, and thank you to Manscape for the support. So next up on the agenda, uh, let's talk Substack comics. We we talked about this in a previous variant cover, uh, just how you know a a boatload of big name creators are moving, are taking grants from Substack. They're moving there to. <laughs> in theory start releasing comics but right now mostly blog about them <laughs> yeah. um yeah. uh a lot a lot more creators have jumped to substack since we you know the the initial wave was like james tinian's <clears throat> gonna leave batman he's gonna move everything to substack jonathan hickman's there with with mike del mundo and, and mike huddleston um since then i've seen jeff lemire kelly thompson uh probably a boatload of others because the announcements stopped coming in a way <laughs> like i stopped paying attention and and i stopped seeing them but it seems like a lot more yeah. creators have kind of done it, you know, fly by night. Um, Zach, you want to talk about this to kind of talk about like, okay, what, what is the actual product been? Like, what is the actual experience been like? Um, so what, what do you got for us there in terms of like following some of these? So I have four <clears throat> that I've been reading. It's Saladin Ahmed, James Tynan, uh, Andy Stevenson, which people might know him as Noel Stevenson from Nimona and He-Man, but uh, as part of the... Shira. Com- she- Shira. What did I just say? He-Man. Shira. Yeah, right. Shira. Yeah. Um, which uh, he actually makes a joke about, like, because the, part of the comic, most of their comic is about writing about, like, gender identity and mm-hmm. uh, talking about, like, what pronouns they're preferring. And, like, even in the comic is when I think he's saying, like, I think I like to use he, him now, um, which is the only reason I, I mention the name that people might know. Um, but uh, they even mention, like, yeah, I go by he, him now, which is confusing because I'm most known for writing She-Ra. Uh, and then Jonathan Hickman, James Tynan. Um I, it's kind of a mix so far. So Andy Stevenson actually has popped up with one of the most consistent, like putting out comics once or twice a week that I've been reading. And just like, they're just small little web comics and they work really well. Like just opening up my email and reading a quick comic. Um, And that's basically all they're doing. They're just kind of like little biography comics and they're they're very cute and they're very touching. Um, James Tynan, who I really like. Uh, has been mostly talking about Batman, mostly talking about him doing Substack and what it means to him. (laughs) 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 And a little bit of, he's been putting out two projects. One is a spinoff of Department of Truth, uh, where it's just like write-ups about cryptids, but it's like prose about cryptids like Bigfoot or the Chupacabra. Which I will say, Department of Truth is... One of my favorite comics. Oh, of, Department of, of Truth. Rule. I, I'm, I'm all caught up on it. Like, it's yeah. really, really good. I'm a I don't, less I don't have a super massive desire to read prose entries about cryptids, <laughs> despite loving yeah, it. Yeah. So, much, it, you know? the thing is that, like, James Tynan apparently is like his pet projects are topics that I just don't care about <laughs> because the, the two things he's doing are writing about cryptids. And it, it is point from the point of view of the Department of Truth. Like, the characters in Department of Truth are talking about Bigfoot. You know, it's like giving that Department of Truth spin on it, but yeah. even so. And then the other one is that he's putting out a comic with, I'm sorry, I don't remember the name of the artist right now. Michael Ava um, Moming. Yeah, great, thank you. Um, about true accounts of UFO encounters called uh-huh. Blue Book. 
And I've been reading that. Like, he's put out three chapters, which is basically, like, one issue in the last two and a half months. <laughs> and uh, it's fine. I just, I don't really care about UFOs, and I don't care about UFO stories. And it's very much that. So, like, it is strange. One of my favorite comic book writers is just writing stuff that I don't particularly care about for his Substack. So... I think broadly with the Substack stuff um, and with these comics, you know, one of the one of the key problems, <laughs> as I see it right now, is a dearth of actual comics released. Mm-hmm. I think that is the most obvious issue that is going on, um, and I think it's it's more of a it's more of a just a Patreon for creators than I think I anticipated in yeah. these early months. Yeah, yeah. You know, like like here's the thing, like I'm. I've enjoyed a lot of Jonathan Hickman's work. <laughs> it has meant a lot to me as a reader and as a person. I, I'm not bothered by the prospect of supporting more of their work financially, right? That is that is something I am game to do. But I haven't... If you're doing it with the expectation of like, oh, okay, I'll give my $8 a month or whatever, and I'll get the value of like two comics for the first four six months of this you're not going to get that <laughs> you know what i mean so i could it's see some strategic, uh, strategically weird strategic. and we talked about this when it launched like it's weird they didn't launch but with that, comics <clears throat> yeah yeah it's crazy because at this point it has been two and a half months all this started like the first week of august right it's mid-october almost late october now <clears throat> solid and Amen hasn't released a comic he hasn't released a page of a comic he's released like some cover sketches yeah, but that's it. I mean, he hasn't posted in a month and some change, which is you know a whole. Which I'm actually, I'm more interested in someone like Ahmed, maybe just being like, "Hey, I took the money, and I'm gonna cut and run." <laughs> and like, <laughs> I, I know it's, <laughs> I know it's in the contract here to like post weekly or whatever, but like, screw it, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and I'm, I'm actually curious how that would shake out. Well, I, I, it was my. I mean, I gave him money. I gave him a year's worth of my money, so I, I would, I would like it if he, <laughs> yeah, he posted yeah. something. Sure. Um. And then, I mean, it's just strategically odd that this feels like Substack pushed it, like pushed a date on them, right? Because I don't think it would be so consistent across the board that no one had a project ready to go. Like it should, they should have launched with like, here's my new series you've never heard of. The new Solid and Amen series, the new James Tynan series, the new Hickman series. Well, maybe not Hickman because Hickman's got a whole thing going on. It's launching today only on Substack. And right. you only can get it here on Substack, and it's just kind of like we got great plans for Substack. We're gonna see I, what's gonna happen. Right. Sometime. I, I I totally agree. I think probably by like the start of 2022, it'll start to have that feel where it's like, hey, Tinyan has like a whole trade available with Blue Book. Um, Chip Zdarsky's more ready to be dropping stuff. Clearly, um, you know, I think you'll have created. But by, by the time we start next year, I think it'll be like, oh, hey, they actually have comics now, and like yeah, they can make yeah, a probably. make a renewed, sustained push kind of thing but right now these early stages are super weird um and i i think like i have two thoughts big picture and i I could talk I, so i actually caught up on the the hickman huddleston del mundo stuff the three worlds three moons um it this so the whole substack experience right now is basically just like hey what if all your favorite creators you know tried to run a comics block and it's it, many of them are suited for it um in different ways but like mostly they're not you know honestly and I mm-hmm. think, like, Tinyan's really good at it. Like, Tinyan generally can, like, write really interesting articles. Um, mm-hmm. Or, like, you know, like, basically, like, if he had a column on CBR a decade ago, it would have been really popular, you know, like the way, like, uh, other creators kind of did for a time there. Um, but, like, I, I think one thing that creators are missing is they actually, a lot of them actually don't quite know what their audience wants. They think they do, but they don't. And I think, like, with the Hickman stuff, which I've caught up on, you actually need, like, a journalist 
like someone who knows how to how to write interview questions, getting them to focus on what is interesting. Because every so mm -hmm. often, they do. Like Mike Huddleston's written some posts where it's like, because the, the Hickman experience is all about process. It's all about like, basically like thinking this thing through on the fly. And like, hey, we're going to invite you into that process before you even see a page of the comic, you know, on all the world building, essentially. Um, yeah. Which maybe sounds like it would be interesting. Now, I, I have found, I have learned, certainly, in this experience that I prefer to read the story than read the back matter and process notes. Like, I would re yeah, much sure. rather have experienced this world and then read some essays about it. Like, I, so I'm, I'm listening to uh, Isaac Asimov's Foundation books on audiobook right now, mm -hmm. and it's, yeah. it feels to me akin to if instead of doing that, if I had just read essays about them <laughs> ahead of time without <laughs> yeah, ever sure. having experienced the work. And I think that's way worse. <laughs> I don't enjoy that personally. Maybe some people do. Um, but I think like, like somebody like a Hickman, and I, I have a feeling this applies to a lot of them, they spent so many years going to cons, and they spent so many years of people walking up to the mic and awkwardly asking them, where do your ideas come from? What, what What's your process? And these, frankly, bad interview questions that now they're like, oh, that must be what people want. I'm going to answer them. And it's not. <laughs> it's not that interesting. And it's not actually what I want, um, at least without some refinement and some specifics, you know, um, and, and some honing in on like, again, there's a moment where Huddleston's describing how he was designing an image for this rock planet that they live or this rock world they live on. And Hickman had a note then that was like, no, we need it to be different because of blank. And then here's how I revised it based on that. That type of collaboration insight is interesting to me as mm -hmm. in terms of how these things get built. Um, but otherwise it, there's a density and it feels like homework and my emails are piling up and I just want to read some comics, man. <laughs> like what? Like yeah. this is, this is not, I think necessarily my cup of tea. Um, Sophie Campbell, who I love, uh, her TMNT is amazing. She's just dropping like pages every day. Yeah. So it's yeah. Like, hey, here's the page I drew. I follow her um, too, yeah. and it's a, it's of a series that I know I like cause I've read the web comics. I know I'm going to like it, but that one too, I'm just like, all right, like I'll, I'll check in when this is ready. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm not your probably. editor. I don't need your process updates necessarily. And I know that's the whole thing and I don't fault her for taking the money and doing it. Good for her. Um, but I, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the Substack experience, clearly. Um, and then you factor in the fact that, you know, Substack as a whole clearly is just like, okay, is this the thing I want to be throwing money at? Um, it's, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, it's going to be a slow burn, and it'll be interesting to see if the money runs out before uh, before they catch on. I would recommend Andy Stevenson's uh, Substack, honestly, for, like, what we're saying and what you're saying specifically, if you just want comics, that's, like, more or less all he posts now is just comics. And, uh, you know... And then uh, Sophie Campbell, right? So, like, supporting a couple trans creators on there is probably good. Um, you know, good signaling uh, for for Substack. But, Absolutely. Um, and, and also, just like, you know, we talked about this in the first time, but it's like Substack has a literal... I, I don't know the specifics. Okay, so maybe I'm going to say this wrong. But, like, it seems to me like they are paying for the work of a literal professional transphobe. Okay? Oh, yeah. And yeah. I've already forgotten Graham this person's Linehan. name. They're garbage. Graham Linehan, yeah. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> Stop doing that specifically. <laughs> like, how yeah. hard is that? That yeah. should not be hard. Stop doing that specifically, and then the rest of it, you can debate, and you can talk about freedom and creativity of expression or whatever. Dump the transphobe. Like, how hard is that? You know? Anyway, that would make it uh, like a heck of a lot easier to, uh, to do this in good conscience. But, okay. So that's that's what's going on in, in comics. We'll see if that's a bigger thing. Um, yeah. 
I, there's more to it, but that's that's about all I want to say on it for now. Yeah, because uh, honestly, like I, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, I, I haven't uh, subscribed to any Substacks, uh, but like from hearing you guys talk about it, it doesn't really want me to make me want to do it. No, uh, apart I, from maybe yeah, Andy Stevenson. Like... <laughs> Like Andy yeah. Stevenson, yeah, stuff I mean, sounds very interesting to me. And Andy and Stevenson also doesn't post stuff so far behind a paywall, you know. So yeah. most of most of his stuff is free, and and most of the Substack stuff is free. Like James Tynan, everything he's doing except for Blue Book, I think, is free. So if you want his blog posts, <laughs> uh, they're all free. Um, so I, I would recommend going to check out Andy Stevenson and get get his little yeah. comics in your inbox, and then you know if you like them, throw him some money. Yeah, because like if there's one thing that should be um taken from all this like pay trans creators and like pay mm-hmm. comic yeah. book creators in general yeah. more than they currently are and especially pay yes. trans creators so i'm absolutely all for andy stevenson and sophie campbell taking that money like i absolutely don't blame them for that uh i like i am a bit more iffy on creators that have um made a deal with Substack and haven't at all ta- token- talked about the the problems uh, with the platform. I, I think that's just Hickman so far. At least the ones that we've been yeah. talking about today cuz Tynan and Ahmed have both talked about. It. Ahmed talked it at length in like one of his first posts the like, you know, it, he said basically as a Middle Eastern man uh cohabitating on platforms full of people who want your blood uh yeah. is you know a very a very common experience to him and you know it, it is always a attention of whether or not it is you know what what the the ethical thing to do is but you know for for him he says basically he he doesn't think you should cede the platform to to yeah. the worst people um so anyway uh but yeah Hick, hickman has you know like i i think we said it in the last episode hickman has not said anything and he probably yeah that's either. that's usually his uh his um stance on his issues yeah Okay, so there is there is a, a narrative piece that I want to I want to connect here. So the next thing I want to talk about, and I, I raised the question to both of you regarding. So this kind of was sparked by Why the Last Man series on Hulu. It was announced it's going to be canceled. So announced it's I think six episodes have <laughs> come out. That's when I found out on it was Hulu. on. Um, yeah, yeah, right. But like, <laughs> I didn't know it had premiered, and then I was like, I saw Why the Last Man canceled, and I was like, did it? Did it start yet? Yeah, which I think is going to be experienced <laughs> for a lot of people, right? Like canceled before its yeah. before its first season even aired, before people are probably even entirely aware of it. Um, which whether that's a marketing thing, whether that's a too much <laughs> culture thing, whatever, um, it, that sparked me thinking about basically what kind of comics adaptations can succeed. You know, I actually think it connects to the Substack conversation in a in a broader thing I've been thinking about a lot lately, which is. The Substack thing, it did not launch with narrative momentum, <laughs> right? As we just described, like there's a lot of world building. And I think a lot of these comics adaptations that are hitting the ground and just kind of sitting in the middle are kind of doing the same thing. Like Why the Last Man, Sweet Tooth, Lock and Key, uh, Jupiter's Legacy. These are the examples that I keep coming back to where they sit, they set up and they're like, hey, welcome to this world building experience as opposed to hitting the ground running. Um, mm-hmm. On a podcast, The Watch, that I talk about, they they came to a similar conclusion where they were essentially like, I don't think with this much media out there that you can do anything other than hit the ground sprinting and catch on and catch fire, right? And I think that's maybe a problem that a lot of these critically acclaimed comics with an audience, part of the reason they're not exploding, certainly, into popular consciousness with tv series so the question i posed to both of you and that i want to talk about in some detail is what kind of comics would actually be well suited for that well suited for actually having a squid game-esque response 
of being the biggest show in the world beyond a weekend, you know? Um, so, all right, I'll, I'll pause there. Did you guys have a chance to think about, um, or did both of you have a chance to think about like what, what that might be? And if, if anything even can do that now? Yeah, I think like paradoxically, maybe it's the comics that are the less cinematic already. Like mm -hmm. some, because it forces you to do something completely different and not just adapt word for word, uh, shot for shot to the comic, which seems like something that's uh, lock and key, uh, sweet tooth are kind of doing. Um, I mean, like it doesn't help that they kind of have the standard Netflix style. Yeah, it's just very also. visually unremarkable, and they just they don't stand out like they don't look like much of anything besides oh, it's a Netflix show with like maybe some good makeup and. Uh, But I'm and I'm thinking of something like the Umbrella Academy. Like with that comic, you can't just do the comic in a TV show. There's a there's a lot of stuff you need to change because that comic has a very specific feel to it. So mm -hmm. when it came time to adapt it, they did something new, something different, which is, I think, uh, part of the reason why the show became so popular. Whereas, like, I, I'm not interested in watching Lock and Key. I watched maybe five or six episodes, and I was like, that's just the comic, but more boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked about this once, and it's funny, because I basically was like, for comic TV shows, I don't want to see a straight adaptation. You know, yeah, I want to exactly. see something interesting brought to it. I don't want to just see it adapt. But then I thought about it for a second. And I was like, I do this all the time with manga and anime, though, where I'm like, I love this manga. And then it's going to get an adaptation. And it's going to be like line for line <laughs> the same uh -huh. thing. And I'm yeah. still excited about it. So there, there is something, uh, you know, contradictory. Well, and I do, I do want to clarify, too. Like, I'm so, Charlotte, I mean, I'm definitely of the same mindset as you. Like, on a personal level, I am totally out on watching a closely adapted thing of something i already read and enjoyed like yeah. i just do not have or want to commit the time to re-experience something i already enjoyed in a lesser fashion it just sounds absolutely unappealing to me um but i think what it you know so like i, I think i want to be clear that like it's not really a quality conversation like why the last man might be really good like it sounds like there's a ton of thought that went into like okay how do we how do we tell the story in 2021 when you know perceptions of gender have changed so much since this comic came out like it just doesn't work you know in the same ways um it might be good and it might eventually get have gotten really good in a second season you know what i mean um sweet tooth yeah. seems to have its fandom i think you know jupiter's legacy is the one where i'm like no that's actually bad and i don't like the comic that much either <laughs> um so i get it uh, but lock and key too it's like i i tried i just am totally uninterested but i think yeah. there's like zach was saying like there's a middling sensation of and you know obviously there are, there are examples that are more successful the umbrella academy i think has done really well for itself the boys obviously is huge and then invincible yeah. um i think you know it, there's there's a clear like oh hey if you're doing superheroes but different that's going to be that's going to tap more into the cultural consciousness right now because of how big the mcu is and everything i mean even uh preacher preacher did well they got four seasons i would put episodes. i would put preacher in the same category As, as the ones that I'm talking about in But terms of not being that interesting. Did you guys hear about Preacher kind of after failing. season one? Because I, I can't remember hearing people talk about it after season one. I didn't, I didn't season watch. Season three and four, it feels like it had kind of died out. It buzz for Preacher absolutely died out. I mean, un yeah. unquestionably it died out. I, I, I mean, I think, I think people okay still liked it. I think it just... Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. You know, But, so again, you know, that, on a quality show... level, it's, it's less about that. I, you know, and I think Preacher totally fits in that category of a beloved property that then... It's, it's, it's the same thing. It's a beloved property where, hey, come sit with us and hang and do a lot of world building and a lot of journey and have the Game of Thrones experience. And I don't think, I don't know that 
comics adaptations are winning with that style I, of show. No, I don't. I don't. It doesn't seem like they are. Well, I don't think that's no. fair for Preacher. I don't think Preacher is a big like lore dump exposition. So that that show like takes off and moves and does like the show very does? different things than yeah Preacher. No, it like, does. Starts I, with, like, I think it does the opposite. It, it starts with and... the season zero. It starts before anything actually happens. Before they take the road trip, it absolutely is sitting and taking its time. And I think that yeah, is. I think too many things are too comfortable. Are you just talking sitting about, like, and I feel not like, running ahead? Yeah, I, I'm not. Sh- it feels like you're conflating like pacing with like uh you know not not like resting on your laurels i, I don't know what you like you wanted it to just be faster paced because I, I thought the pacing was fine on that show like and and i thought it was doing lots of like new creative stuff like every episode i was like this is wild tv that i do not see stuff like this happening on tv in that first season i think it's a thing where these sort of critically we don't have to get hung up on 2000s style comics are they are reliant on people jumping in and being like hey we're gonna we're gonna build worlds and welcome you into this journey but we're kind of gonna take our time doing that and i think we're probably past a moment where a show like a breaking bad or game of thrones had audiences willing to do that i suppose um in quite the same capacity and i think it's a failing of comic adaptations now where at least with certain elements of them where they're just assuming they're assuming too much they're assuming too much patience it's a thing i talk about with the x-men comics all the time like i think creators are assuming too much patience and people drop and people get less interested and the buzz drops and there's so much media out there right now that you need to hit stuff harder um so yeah it's it's a matter of fast i mean i always come back to this example yeah orphan black the first season i always come back to it where it was like that that first season moves so fast and it dumped so many ideas so quickly. It was thrilling. It was absolutely thrilling. And they didn't have the goods to back it up for like a season two, season three. Like they couldn't do it. But I still always love the fact that they tried. Um, and I don't know. I, I think a lot of these comics adaptations are making the same mistake over and over again. Where they're like, hey, come hang with Sweet Tooth for five seasons. And I'm like, no, that sounds awful. <laughs> 50 hours, you know, like that That doesn't sound appealing. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm some of this. Some of this is clearly just personal and kind of where i'm at as a viewer like i'm just inherently way more interested in something like a squid game where i'm like yes a story i don't know i'd much rather jump in for that um but anyway all right back to the actual question thing where like pre preacher is that with with the comic where like i know the comic preacher intimately right i've read that like a couple times i know that comic really well and then when i watch the show i'm like oh this is not that Right. Like this is really tweaking it. It's, you know, it's it's changing things quite drastically. These are not scenes that I remember. Right. Like for the most part. And it's touching on same touchstones, but it's doing something new. So it's something new for me, which I appreciate. Right. Like as a watch a viewer seeing, you know, an adaptation rather than just a or not an adaptation, an interpretation rather than just a straight adaptation. Yeah. But I, like, I, I mean, I ultimately, think, ultimately I, think, I disagree with you on Preacher and that's fine. Let, let's get to yeah. the question. Which yeah, is yeah. yeah, I mean, the, what the are the what are the like, comics that could do this? What are the comics that could yeah, okay. excel? I, I mean, I just before that, I I think like what you're saying is just it's a really, really, really crowded TV TV media landscape, and six out of ten shows just like have a harder time, especially in the streaming services. Ones that just drop on streaming, they have a really hard time grabbing an audience and keeping an audience with just the like overload of things and options being thrown at you. So like, part of me isn't thinking this is anything unique i just think we're getting more mediocre shows and more of them happen to be comic adaptations because producers are seeing that there's money there 
I think um, I think the uniqueness I, I of it is yeah. Jupiter's legacy gets canned after one season. Why the Last Man gets canned midway through its first season. The uniqueness of it is a very mild trend here. Of okay, a billion comics are getting adapted, but they're cutting and running quickly on them, and it it signals to me the potential for this moment to die <laughs> and for for the producers and execs to say like yeah, hey adapting like, these comics is actually a bad idea i mean titans doom patrol the the million arrowverse se- series that forget all have big like two eight forget to- big two that's that's besides the point that's a different thing okay all right that's not because i'm saying I, I think that's what everyone is eyeballing and being like can we get that for cheap right we yeah. don't have to pay batman money for why the last man but maybe we can have our own why the last man <laughs> Yeah, because part of it is like it feels like the these shows aren't happening because people have interesting ideas of how to adapt uh, those comics. It feels more like we are Netflix, we need more viewers. That comics is that comic is popular, so let's adapt that. Like it feels like we have that list of the top ten, twenty uh, most popular indie comics, and we're going going to adapt them all one by one. Yeah. No matter if we have an interesting story to tell or not. Yeah, totally. So all right, so uh. I think, uh, I mean, Department of Truth, I actually think would work really well if you did it with like, uh, like a serious network, like HBO, <laughs> right? Like if you, if you did something like a very serious adaptation and not kind of a, like a fun thrill ride, right? Yeah. Like if it was kind of a show more for adults than it was for teenagers. Okay. Uh, yeah. I think Department of Truth could actually work pretty well. It's just a political thriller kind of thing. Uh, like in, a, in the vein of Watchmen. <clears throat> Interesting pick. Um, Interesting pick. Charlotte, what do you got? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, one thing I was thinking of, and I don't know if it would work. Uh, maybe it wouldn't, but Saga is the biggest in the coming. like the obvious there. answer, but you're, you're yeah, right. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you're right, though. It, it's totally, yeah, yeah. totally correct. Yeah. And, why why uh, do you think Saga would work, Charlotte? I mean, I, I don't know if it would, actually, but like, it feels like the thing where uh, a network executive would be, if we're going to adapt a comic, let's adapt the biggest one out, out there. Uh, and I know, I think um, Brian K. Vaughan and Fe- Fiona Staples have both said that they don't want that, actually. Um, I think I think the way it would maybe work would be doing the invis- invincible thing of doing a, an, an animated show mm, yeah. uh, out of it. Because that, that universe, that visual style feels like it would work better in animation. And I think that's true for a lot of comics. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, for example, we were t- talking about Andy Stevenson earlier. And I'm and I'm very interested about them working on the Lumberjanes adaptation for HBO Max, I think, which mm. is going to be an animated uh, series, like mm, stuff like that. I'm more interested by than uh, Netflix Netflix doing a live action adaptation. Well, I mean, of Sweet pa- Tooth part of this stuff. is also Netflix churns through yeah. mediocre series, hoping one they like they don't even need you to watch want to watch a second season, right? Netflix just like needs you to sit down and watch five or six episodes of every mediocre series that they make. And they're happy. And then if a series takes off, sometimes they still cancel it three seasons yeah. in because it gets too expensive <laughs> with all the contracts. So, like, yeah, I, part of this is purely a Netflix issue. Uh, it, it's not entirely. But well, like, some of them are, HBO but I mean, Max, the last man is Hulu. You know, I mean, yeah, that's true. That's, but that's H- Disney, HBO Max not does not, uh, you know, churn through superhero shows like this, right? Like, they've been given... I mean, Titans is not enormous, but it's on its fourth season right now, I think. Third or fourth, right? Yeah, yeah Titans and Doom Patrol are both getting a season four, I think. And, like, outside of my comic crew, right, like, my bubble of comic people, like, I don't know anyone who watches those shows, right? Those do not have, like, big outward reach like Squid Game did, right, for example. I think an extension of the question is which TV shows adapted from comics have worked that well in the past? 
Because mm-hmm. like One Division was a huge success and like a a a thing some everyone was talking about when it was coming out. Have any other comics TV shows done that? I mean, Captain like maybe- Winter. Captain and Winter Soldier, or Falcon and Winter Soldier, and then Loki both did better. Like each one of those shows did better than the last. So like, yeah. But all the Disney were Plus people stuff, but, talking you know, about it, it as much? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, but no, like they weren't. I, I mean, guess, again, though, I think the big two conversation to me is a yeah, the MCU is so its own conversation. Yeah. The MCU has it's yeah. it's the biggest thing in the world. So when it comes to TV, but then it's what's continue the, to be big. what's the adapted indie comic that has worked the best? And I don't know that there are any the, that have the boys, well, the, the Walking like the Dead. Boys. The, yeah, yeah, the, the, oh, the oh, Walking yeah, Dead, yeah, Walking Dead, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which right. hits, you know, it hits at, at exactly the right time. It hits at exactly that Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, Mad Men, peak TV type thing, right? Um, yeah, it, it's there's now. I mean, recent successes, like I said, The Boys, Invincible, Umbrella Academy seems to do fairly well. I mean, Doom Patrol almost fits into this, despite being a DC thing, just because it's it's indie and quirky and small. Um, I, I for me, I think Saga is an interesting one. I I think it's actually got to be to explode right now, I think. like Because I think you see the boys tapping into this, where it's like the boys is shockingly good, and it's actually shockingly successful um, because of sort of parodying and playing off superheroes. Um, I think Watchmen obviously catches a fair amount of that flair, and I, I wouldn't put Watchmen in the same category. But I think something like a Black Hammer or Astro City, something, and Black Hammer's already it's been sold or whatever, they got the rights. But like something that is superheroes, but yeah. different. Superheroes, but mature. I mean, this is what Jupiter's Legacy was trying to capture, but it's not good, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it doesn't have the same audience or the same critical acclaim. Um, I think yeah, a Black, a Black Hammer or Astro one. City could be massive in yeah. in the ways where it's like, oh, finally, some superheroes that aren't the MCU, that aren't DC characters. Um, I, you know, I for a long time, I was like, hey, what's the Watchmen of superhero TV going to be? Or superhero movies going to be? You know, the thing that is inventive and unique um and then ironically it was watchmen <laughs> but you know what's damon lindelof yeah, Zach, Zach snyder's lo- watchmen we all agree yeah right i'm look oh yeah uh, i'm looking at my like at the comics on my shelf right now and i'm just seeing the wicked and the divine i'm thinking that could work as a commit as a as a tv adaptation yeah yeah that feels i don't like i don't like that comic but yes you're right yeah <laughs> yeah yeah totally uh, yo, you, know, you know what we, would be good a lot of these like this go ahead go ahead uh hickman's decorum oh and east of west east of west would be like i'm surprised there's no not no, a no. Game east of west, decorum east of west decorum was sold maybe. and then didn't go through for some reason see but i again i yeah. think with within east of west with the department of truth with um with decorum i think it, i think they all fall into similar trappings of hey you got to sit and be patient with us oh i, where, I was kind of whereas kidding about decorum because it's so uh oh it's, <laughs> it's so, so, yeah, it's so small yeah to adapt. I, I think black well, hammer and astro so city you could do your comic, own thing but, and you yeah. could go big and i i just really think like it yeah. has to be superheroes if it's going to be massive um it, yeah. it, in this in this landscape uh if it's really going to explode and be like a huge thing uh so all right i need to i need to run upstairs for like three minutes um do you all want to stay on and do some rapid fire questions or do you want to wrap it yeah, Charlotte and I can do a couple questions, and then, yeah, yeah. should uh, wrap it up. Okay, I'm going to run upstairs, and I'll be back shortly. Steven says, I don't know how to phrase this in a question, but free, but free space to talk about Saga coming back. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> um, I'm excited. I'm excited. If, if, I, I don't, I think I was, like, six issues off of actually catching up. Yeah. Because, like, it, uh, I was, like, one trade away from finishing where they went on hiatus, because they went on hiatus, and then I was like, oh, okay, like I guess I'll just stop, and then I'll catch up when 
it's going again. So I'm, I'm probably going to catch up and try to read month to month. Yeah, I read, um, like, yeah, I, yeah, like I was late on the Saga Train. I think I read all of it, like, two years ago. And I'm mm-hmm. probably going to reread it, like, before it comes out again. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah, very, I'm excited, very excited to read it. I'm excited to go through and read it again because it's gotten somewhat of a critical reappraisal. Like, th- there's a weird blowback to it now. Like, it was the okay. biggest thing and everyone just loved it. And now there's, like, a contingent of people who are like, uh, Saga's actually trash and you all misunderstood <laughs> How bad it was. I, I don't. I don't think it's that. I think. I think it's actually quite good. But yeah. uh, I'm. I'm curious to Goose's reread best it boy. again. Goose's best boy. Goose is. Oh. Best boy. Oh. Goose is. I was. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were just saying Goose's best boy, and I was like, who exactly. is Goose's best boy? <laughs> exactly. Um. Okay. Uh. Aaron asks. We're getting a lot of Spider-Man adjacent movies late lately. What Spider-Man adjacent character would get their own movie? uh jj's son the man wolf i want a movie about him you know what's insane to me is that the mobius movie had a trailer come out mobius now it's mobius Mobius. is owen wilson yeah Uh, the morbius movie had a jared leto trailer come out like six eight months ago like a full trailer a year and a half ago it was a whatever it was a long time ago yeah it it has fully come out like a two-minute trailer it's not just a teaser it's like a whole ass trailer like that movie has to be done and not a word about it. Like, I wonder if they just are like, no one wants this. Like, we have to find out the right well, time to release Sony it. I think Sony thinks people want this. It's like, so strange Sony that they're like, let's do a... People love Jared Leto as a, as a vampire. <sighs> Insane. Just, it's so crazy to me that one, a non-Spider-Man Morbius movie would do well. And two, that Jared Leto would be the person they pick. Also, yeah. um, a Silver Sable movie, a uh, Madam Web movie, all being talked about. A Craven about. Hey, movie with Aaron Taylor Johnson okay. as Craven. Uh, I kind of like him, so yeah, maybe. Okay, here's a question for you, though. Yeah. After the third and final MCU Spider-Man comes out in December, um, do you want Tom Holland to like go be in the Sony Spider-Man movies? Do you want him to like shift over to those, or do you mm. want Tom Holland just to be done? What do you What do you think about that? I mean, I'd rather have him still in the MCU, but I don't know if that's uh, that's an option. Oh, sure, no. But yeah, yeah. yeah I, if I mean, he, if he's would, going but... to, if the, if those are the two choices, yeah, yes. maybe have him cross over with Tom Hardy and stuff like that. Like that's that's kind of fun, I guess. Um, I think you reveal. I think you reveal Tom Holland was a clone, and you have the clone <laughs> in the Sony verse, but not actual real Peter Parker. And who, who plays Tom Holland's clone? Yeah, uh, Tom Holland. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay. Oh no no, actually no, Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg's going to play Tom Holland. Oh my god. <laughs> That's a great answer. <laughs> That's uh, in that it's a terrible with, answer with a mustache. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, okay. what what so, questions have we done? What uh, what uh what do we got next? Um I so I have I saw this question that I have I read any manga? Technically yes. Technically yes, but it's woefully woefully underrepresented. I've read the first volume of Attack on Titan. Thought it was fine. Um I've read the first uh, 60 pages now, the first two chapters of A Journal of My Father by Jiro Taniguchi. I've got that right next to me. Um, I'm probably not going to finish. I'm not that invested. <laughs> and uh, it's clearly good work, but I'm not that invested. And I've got Pluto on hold at the library. I'm mm-hmm. going to start Pluto, okay. which I'm really excited to do. And cool. I've read cool. the first uh, book of Akira. Uh, cool. And uh, I was not so compelled to continue with it, although I certainly you want fool. to at some point. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, Pluto is a good choice. Like uh, Urasawa is is huge, huge in manga. He's he's maybe like I don't know if it's a totally fair comparison, but like the Alan Moore of manga. Yeah, a little bit. That's that's right, like very much like 
a very serious like adult manga who does like really interesting things with the form. Um, yeah, no, it's it's less a you, it's less yeah. a choice about anything to do with manga and more me actually sitting down and saying, uh, "Hey, I'm going to carve out some time to read things I want to read and enjoy." And hey, I really need to check out more <laughs> so manga you've never, because I never did, completed just a manga series then. Well, uh, oh, well, like a whole series? No, I guess not. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Okay, crazy. Need to do it. Um, to I do mean, it. I've only, I think I've only completed a handful myself, but um, yeah, cool. Uh, Mormigal doesn't want to know if me or Charlotte enjoy manga, so let's move on. Yeah, let's do the rest um, of the Dave-specific <laughs> questions. I, I like these. These are yeah. great. <laughs> I don't know if you're interested. Carlton asks, he wants your lightning round on all the comics you missed when you were uh, when you were on hiatus. <laughs> that, would, that would assume I remember what they are or looked at them. Um, yeah. Executioner's Song. Executioner's Song, I like a lot, yeah. actually. I have a lot of time yeah, for yeah. I think it's uh, quite fun and oh, it's shockingly good your... given the, the context of the X-Men line at the time. Yeah, it's okay. I, I liked it okay. Like I, I was actually kind of kind of into it. Um I wanna know what did you think about Hulk Future Imperfect? Oh, I loved Hulk you... Future Imperfect uh at the time. Um, you know, when I read it some time ago. I think George Perez just like knocks it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Um it looks on, nice, yeah. artistically it's it's really great. It is a very, very memorable Hulk story. Um I've soured on Peter Davis writing a, a fair amount, you know, compared to where I was probably even five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, if you're going to say, Hey, read a Hulk story, like Hulk future Imperfect is, I mean, I don't know. It's up. It's, it's, it's in the conversation with planet Hulk and immortal Hulk for like, you know, something you would just hand to a, that's crazy to me. I, I'm not saying it's that good. It's just like, that's, that's one of the go-tos. No, it's talked about like that. And I was like, it's kind of, kind of dull though. It's kind of like the most boring version of the story you could tell. Like it, it's very oh, no. strange. That's, <laughs> that's extremely harsh, which, Hey, that's your, that's your prerogative. But, I, it uh, looks, it looks wonderful. It like works fine. But, like, the world it sets up is just the most, like, stock standard, like, this is a post-apocalyptic world. And they say, like, you know, I don't know. They, they use a different word instead of the F word. And it means, like, it's the same thing. But they say, are you fragging kidding me? Right? And, like, it, it's very, I don't know. Swearing with seem- different words is literally the pinnacle of world building. And I will stand I know, for no really slander. Funny. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think the argument against that, the counter-argument is uh, no one else had done anything like that <laughs> for Hulk. And uh, that that actually gives you a Days of Future past. It's for funny because it's like which hadn't been done. N- maybe maybe with Hulk, but like uh, Lee and Kirby were doing all that like 30th century stuff, and it didn't feel that different than that to me. You know, maybe maybe like better art, but like the actual world building of that was uh, pretty dull. Charlotte, did you like uh, Future Imperfect? Uh, yeah, I remember it being fine. I didn't love it. Uh, I think it has the yeah. <laughs> old yeah. Rick Jones is best Rick Jones. Yeah, that's. I like funny. Goldrick that's, Jones. That that stuff's yeah. good. Yeah, I like yeah. Trophy Rooms, drawn by George Perez. Mm-hmm. The oh, Trophy Room is like the highlight of that. But yeah, it didn't leave a huge mark on me, and I, I think it's kind of crazy that that's one of the most influential Hulk stories. Like, and Peter David is still writing. Uh, I think he's currently currently writing World War M, which is about like he's writing, Maestro and all. He's writing Maestro. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yes, I'm sorry. I, I'm jumping on top of you just because it blows my mind. It blows yeah, my mind. Know, that right? Peter David is still getting Maestro work. Like, what yeah. the WTF is happening? Also, that's... Maestro. That's a, that's a if like if Leah Williams uh, run on uh, X Factor stopped and then Peter David picks up X Factor in the current <laughs> era of X Men, <laughs> I'll be I'd... furious. I don't see it coming. He's. I yeah. don't see it coming. But uh, okay. So those are my those are my catch up thoughts. I said in a previous uh, in the Infinity Crusade episode, I'll talk about Infinity War, um, which I yeah. do enjoy. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if there's anything else I missed that I really would want to talk about. I'm not. I'm not a big 2099 person. Um, 
I like oh, yeah. I like, I, I like playing as Spider-Man I, I like 2099 in Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions more than I've ever enjoyed reading Spider-Man 2099. Hmm. I, I thought 2099 was actually pretty good. Uh, I liked it. I, you know, I didn't run back to it, but I enjoyed reading it. Um, Kesh, Keshali writes a big question here that I think I want to get back to later because we're, we're running a little long, but uh, we'll, we'll come back to this later. Yeah, let's come back to it. That's, that's going to take too long. But I do want one important question here. Kyle writes, one of our many Kyles, Kyle Still, writes, best fast food breakfast sandwich or biscuit if you're in the South like me. Do they call them breakfast Charlotte, biscuits in the South? Apparently. Charlotte, you, you go awesome. first. What's your best best it, it, just a breakfast sandwich it doesn't have to be fast food do you guys eat sandwiches from for breakfast sometimes <laughs> a little, i mean like like an egg sandwich you never have you never have an egg like on a bagel or a, or a uh, a bagel or maybe this is offensive uh an english muffin <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's like um we eat toast for breakfast we don't we rarely yeah. eat sandwiches just eat nothing it on it like an egg like yeah, uh, i mean yeah some i mean butter chocolate like but Nutella. what about an egg but choc- wait chocolate for egg? breakfast yeah you yeah, eat, egg. like eggs and toast for breakfast is like the classic combination you know american culture enough to know that that's not crazy you just eat toast. bread I mean, for breakfast no i know american culture enough to know that it's crazy but also true <laughs> it's like the most natural com- wait so you don't eat eggs for breakfast I mean, sometimes when I'm feeling very hungry, but like it's rare. I eat five it's... dozen eggs a day, and that's why I'm roughly <laughs> the size of a barge. Barge, yeah. God yeah. Damn it. Um, <laughs> God damn it. I mean, yeah. I, I usually I just either eat cereals or like a slice of bread. I mean, some slices of bread with you butter and like cereal jam or something. Breakfast. When Stop do you it. eat cereals if not Stop for breakfast? It. French people are so weird. Uh, okay, well, Charlotte is not engaging with the spirit of this question, so I'll, t- I'll field <laughs> this one. Uh, I had a breakfast. I'm just going to talk about a recent bref- breakfast sandwich experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, I have to go get my gas at Costco because it's uh, literally 50 cents cheaper than Holy everywhere cow. else here in San yeah. Diego. Yeah, gas here is four fifty a gallon, and it's only $4 a gallon. Costco, Costco discount. So- yeah. Costco, email us. We'll promote your, your gas more. Uh, if I go in the afternoon after work, I have to wait literally 20 to 30 minutes in line. <laughs> I so hate popular. waiting in line at Costco for gas. I, I've had that experience, yes. So I go in the morning at like 6.30, 7 a.m. And, uh, before I go to work. And the, uh, there's a McDonald's right next door. And I, I never really go to McDonald's. I haven't been forever. But I was like, I'll, I'll get breakfast there. Like I was there so early. And they had a chicken McGriddle. And I will say the McGriddle sandwich, which is... For those who don't know, it's a biscuit that is like soggy with syrup. Yeah. It's a slightly damp, like pancakey biscuit for the bread, and then uh, cheese, eggs, and sausage is like one of the best sandwiches ever created. It's incredible. Like the maple syrup and the the savory sausage. Mm. They had a chicken McGriddle there, which uh, doesn't have the egg or the cheese. It's just a chicken patty between two maple syrup soaked biscuits. Oh, they, they don't even pretend with an egg. They don't even pretend no, no. it's breakfast. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they don't do the, the mother-child reunion uh, on it. Um, <laughs> what? So, <laughs> you, you ever heard that for a chicken and egg dish? No, is the, the mother-child reunion? <laughs> That's what I um, So, uh, yeah, I, I was like, I was excited about it. I took a bite, and then I reached in the bag for a napkin, and I found what they threw in the bag for me, without my asking, a small packet of strawberry preserves mm. to put on it. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Transformed the entire thing. Strawberry preserves on a chicken sandwich. Insane. Sounds insane. 
It was so good. That so I'm, I'm good just going to say that. I don't even think it's my favorite, but it's uh, it's the most, it's a vivid experience that I just had. So. Chicken chicken for breakfast is thrilling. Um, there's a restaurant in Chicago chicken and called, uh, called The Girl and the Goat. Uh, the Little Goat is a, a breakfast offshoot. They do a bullseye chicken. It's like chicken and French toast. It is my favorite breakfast in Ooh, the city. Um, it is good, good stuff. Charlotte, have you had that. chicken and waffles? I haven't because I would never put meat on a waffle. It's an it's it sounds kind of well, it's an American South Charlotte, thing. Charlotte, you have you have a lot of intense breakfast opinions here, <laughs> and they are really really coming at me hard here. I mean, ch- chicken and waffles is a very specific like I I don't know exactly where in the American South. Uh, Wait, let's see. What's a waffle? Pennsylvania to you? Dutch cuisine. That, that's absolutely crazy to me. <laughs> Not like like a Belgian waffle with a piece of fried yeah? chicken on it, and then you put syrup on it. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sugar. Yeah. Syrup. I'm. I'm all in. It's good. It's just the meat part is the problem for me. <laughs> Sorry. All right. New go, new go segment. And then new segment. We yeah. introduce Charlotte to a new Americanized breakfast oh, every yes. every week. <laughs> every very uh, Yeah. I'm glad. I, I'm uh, glad okay. I don't record. Well, that, that's your homework for next week. Is find a find an American soul food place that will sell you chicken and waffles. Also, like, who has time to cook a sandwich experience. in the morning? Well, it's not, I mean, it's not often something you make for yourself. It's kind of a restaurant. I mean, Generally a restaurant okay. thing, uh, I would say. Yeah, because it's fried chicken. Fried chicken's a whole, you know, I, I think it's a way of using leftover fried chicken, too, right? Okay. Yeah, if you're if you're straight up getting up and making your own chicken, chicken and waffles, like, congratulations <laughs> on the amount of time and, <laughs> yeah, and just, like, relaxation you have. That sounds incredible. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. All right, thank you. Thank you, Kyle, for the, uh, the best conversation of the podcast. Good job, Council of Kyle's. <laughs> come back to some of these other questions yeah. i think another time they're quite good yeah. um ask them again if we didn't get to yours i do have to address one which is a question for dave what's your freaking problem man <laughs> this is from the baron <laughs> black cat uh fair question i would say my problem right now my problem right now i think i addressed a lot of them in this in this conversation actually my biggest problem is um people trying to make money by being jerks by being hateful jerks that's my freaking problem good, good man. money in it you know yeah yeah it's good money bothers me yeah. all right uh so all right i'm dave you can find my stuff at comic book herald comicbookherald.com check it out it's a good site we have seriously like amazing episodes or amazing essays coming this october uh some of my favorite stuff we published throughout the month um charlotte where should people find you you can find me uh, on Twitter at Fiero Charlotte. You can find me on the Slack. And uh, please keep sending us uh, more questions about food so that I can be baffled at Americans. <laughs> Zach. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Yep. Good answer. All <laughs> right. So music for the show is by Disaster Peace. Uh, you can support the show over at patreon.com slash year. And next time will be 93 part three. It's going to be Infinity Crusade. And some Guardians of the Galaxy. Again, find the comics here listed in the show notes. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And as always, we'll see you next year. See you next year. Yeah.